0: Hi and welcome to this week's Three Legs, Four Wheels, F1 and a bit more podcast. It's Paul here with... Sean. Chris. Lee. And our special guest joining us from San
1: Diego. An out-of-work Sean. (laughs) Oh dear, out-of-work Sean. (laughs) Yes, if you know anybody who's looking for an out-of-work Formula 1 statistician, I have been looking.
2: How are your stats on cancellations? (gasps)
1: Uh, well, they're not very long because there hasn't been many cancellations in Grand Prix history. It's, uh, we're in totally uncharted territory, as with in keeping with society in general. Uh, we haven't seen anything like this since the war, and Formula One as a world championship didn't exist back then.
3: No, no, of course. Um, it's, uh, as you say, unprecedented times, so uh, unprecedented measures to uh, to match.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's more, at the moment, it's more stringent here in the United States than I understand it is in the United Kingdom. But don't worry, don't worry, you'll be, you'll be catching up with us soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in
0: about an hour and a quarter at time of recording.
1: I shouldn't say you're in the United Kingdom, should I? You're in the Isle of Man, and that's a UK, that's a UK crown dependency. We're yeah. in the British Isles.
2: Technically, we are right. doing our own thing entirely.
1: Right, I am still a statistician, and I admire the high standard of fact checking from your audience, so we'll get that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I'll quote you on that because any time that they send something through to us that we've, we've been incorrect about, I'll just pass them your Twitter handle.
1: <laughs> that's that's usually what happens in Grand Prix racing as well. <laughs> that, yeah.
0: that, that is very true. Um, so the big announcement today, of course, is that the Azerbaijan Grand Prix has been postponed. Um, again, careful with the wording. It's not been cancelled. Perspo- F1 postponing the race means that they can reschedule it. And... Canada looks set to follow as well. Uh, we got got a question on Twitter, and I think I answered it correctly, Sean. But you may have to um, you may have to correct me if I'm wrong here. But would I be right in thinking that the minimum number of races to constitute an actual world championship is eight? But they've got to be on three separate continents.
1: Well, I don't know about the three separate continents part. Uh, if you look at the sporting regulations, uh, Article 5.4 says, and I quote directly: "The maximum number of races in the championship." minimum is eight, so there's certainly wording there that says it has to be eight, Um, unless, I I mean, I confess I haven't looked in any great detail because I've been trying to avoid imminent bankruptcy, Uh, so I've been a little bit distracted, but um, if, it it could be that in the FIA's uh, appendix of uh, sporting conduct and all that jiggery pokery that it, it says it has to be on three continents there as well, I don't know, I haven't, this is not a situation I've ever had to research before. Because obviously Grand Prix racing never stops. You know, it just, it's, just, it's, it's been ever-present in our lives, and we, we plan our lives around it, and now suddenly it's not here. We're thinking, uh, what do we do on the weekends? From the looks of things, yeah. either plug
0: in a gaming system or watch people plugged into gaming systems. <laughs> <laughs> or listen to podcasts. Or listen to podcasts, but you should be listening to this well before the weekend, because this is coming out Wednesdays
1: now, apart from for our patrons, That's where it comes out fine. Monday night. Yes, I turned down the official F1 podcast with Tom Clarkson. I was going to do, uh, you know, off the grid with him. But uh, I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I've got an exclusive deal with Three Legs, Four Wheels this week. Can't do it.
2: Correct answer.
1: <laughs> yes. And you've just won who's a total shunt before the first question's been asked.
4: <laughs> I, I,
1: to- I told them, I said, "You have your people, call my people, and we'll see what we can do. But this week, I'm afraid, no go. No go. <laughs> well, ah.
0: Well, it's great. it's great that you are on, Sean, and um, it's just a shame we don't get to talk about any actual, uh, actual racing, but anyone been keeping up with the, with the sim racing that's been going on over the last couple of weekends, I know, it's, I know it's not the same, and I know, Lee, you are not the biggest fan of this in the world, but it
3: kind of does, just to sort of bridge the gap. I liked it until the first lap of yesterday's official Formula 1 race where Herbert decided he was going to cut the corner turn 1 didn't exist and everyone else crashed. <laughs> yeah, because because that's just an online race. It's not esports. That's what happens when you play Formula 1 online. Except for Lando Bot. He took the race in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like the fact that up until
4: I don't know, maybe 20 minutes an hour before the start, um most people seem to think, as I did, that it was pretty much the full Formula One grid that was doing it.
1: Is that me?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think... anyone. I think they're going to try and get more actual drivers in, or current drivers, than the two that they got. But, um, I mean, there's now three rival Sunday night F1 competitions, mostly. But, But
2: they all have Esteban Gutierrez.
1: Atta boy, get in there, shameless capitalist. Make sure you've got your got your money on all three of them. <laughs> They'd be doing the NASCAR race next week. Um, now, I Sean, hope
0: so. Sean, you were talk- you were talking uh, talking on Twitter last night while it was going on. You uh, we had a bit of a chat before the show about the um, about the NASCAR race. And from what you were saying, it sounds like the presentation and the production values—they just they got it right.
1: Well, I think they did. I mean, I can't confess to being a regular watcher of NASCAR. I sort of, it's one of those things that I put on in the background. If, if, there's, if there's nothing I want to watch, I think, oh, well, the NASCAR race is on. Bung that on. We'll, we'll put that on for a bit. Um, last, yesterday, for those who don't know, Fox Sports, who are the rights holders here in the US, decided uh, instead of the Homestead Miami round of the Cup Series to put on a, an iRacing race and, and present it almost exactly verbatim as though it was the actual live broadcast. So they had Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon, who are the regular play-by-play guys. They had Mike Waltrip pretend to do a grid walk, which, he, which consisted of him walking around Denny Hamlin's living room. Um, and they had an invocation, which they would normally have from a priest before they do a, grant, before they do a NASCAR race. And then they had an anthem singer as well, singing in his, what they call, garage here. <laughs> and... Uh, they, and away they went, and they did the whole race, and they, and they had Larry McReynolds as the technical analyst, like he would be in a real in a real broadcast, and and they nice. did it like a they did it like a real race, and it was I have to say it was it was superbly executed. I, it, in mitigation, they did have almost as many accidents as the Formula One guys had, but. It had a thrilling finale. Check it out. If you go to the, go to YouTube, go to the Fox Sports YouTube channel, look for the iRacing NASCAR race yesterday. It turned into a thrilling battle between Timmy Hill, who I think is a truck series driver. I should have probably checked that, uh, who is an iRacing ringer. He's always on iRacing. So he's super familiar with racing online and it, it and it can, it turned into a shootout between him and Denny Hamlin, who won the Daytona 500 in real life and Dale Earnhardt Jr. So I advise you go. Yeah, tune into it. it. They really did a really good job of it. They did a good job of striking the right tone between it being serious and it being light-hearted. There was nothing on the line. You know, there was no prize money, no points, or anything like that or the other. It was just simply, look, we let's all get together and have a race and have a bit of fun because, frankly, we need a bit of comic relief right now and feel like the world is a little bit more normal. Now that sounds
0: great, and it would be um, it'd be really good if everyone themselves took something from this and we had that kind of thing going on maybe in two weeks time with the not the oh god i can't remember what was race three. it's going to be are not they, the chinese grand prix isn't it
2: are they not going back though and they're doing australia i'm sure the official f1 1. australia yeah
1: the official f1 are going back to australia yes so we can pretend well i think what should happen really is that we we get to australia and then they announce that it's cancelled
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone sat there, game loaded, ready to go. It's not happening. Yeah,
1: and, and then like a, a digitised version of Andrew Westercott comes out and announces that Australian Grand Prix Corporation is announcing the race is cancelled. Blah blah blah. blah. And then Chase Carey comes out with a wonderful moustache and then says, you know, we'll hopefully maybe we can reschedule it. I don't know. How do you do a CGI version of that tash?
0: Because I've spoken to I've spoken to a few artists and animators, and apparently it's it's nigh on impossible.
4: It's at least PS5 stuff, isn't it? Uh, Not getting that this gen.
0: I mean, imagine imagine the cost of the graphics card you'd have to pay just to render that.
1: (laughs) Well, I understand the the FIA have postponed any changes to Chase Carey's moustache until 2022 to save money.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, The new hero rules will have to wait. Yes. Yeah, that's oh, the fir- that's, that's the good. first one of tonight. There, w- there I, will I be. Jest,
1: I jest. I Just in case Chase Carey is listening to this, Mister Carey, I do think you're doing a wonderful job, and uh, <laughs> please keep me in mind whenever <laughs> this all blows, blow all blows over. And uh, you know, don't replace me with some else. Oh, hang on, uh, my headphones
2: have died. My headphones are also doing something interesting. Well,
3: my headphones are fine, so I'll just uh, okay. rules being pushed back a year we've always joked that they weren't going to happen in 2021 um but obviously now that that appears to be um appears to be put in force that, that's gonna it's it's gonna be really weird isn't it if we can't get a in this year it's gonna end up like like almost like a um, like a maxi championship like 2020 2021 championship all in one over one title for two years
1: it it could and i would say aside um, situation uh, economically uh, putting aside the obvious medical uh, shenanigans jiggery pokery however you want to call it um, even if even if there are no deaths and there's no guarantee that there won't be within the motorsport community from here on in yeah, we are going to deal with the most serious economic hardship of our lifetime and that (sighs) pertains to not just how we all pay the rent this month or next month or the month after that, but also when this all blows over, will we all, will we all still have our, have our have our jobs and will the companies that employed us still exist? Because I yeah. said when Melbourne was cancelled, I, I was umming and ahhing about whether or not to go to Melbourne. And... I decided against it because I was told, okay, well, uh, we need you from Zanvoort. From Zanvoort on, it's going to be mayhem. We need you a lot. I so, said, all right, well, I won't go to Australia then because it's a, waste, a complete waste of a visit. Mm-hmm. I, didn't know how lucky, I didn't know how lucky I was going to be by saying I'm not going to bother with Melbourne. Because I thought initially, I was like, uh, well, I love going to Melbourne, but what's the, you know, what's the point in spending that money? Anyway.
3: Of course, yeah.
1: We've now, when, when the cancellation happened, that's when I adopted a war footing. And I, I used that term. I said, we are now on a war footing. I said that to my wife. I said, I'm, mm-hmm. going, to the super, I'm, saying, I'm going to the supermarket. I'm buying all the provisions we need. I'm filling the car up. And we are going to hunker down here because this could take a long time. And this is a financial apocalypse. And I told everybody who I worked with and people who i did agreed deals to work with in Zandvoort and in Monte Carlo. I was supposed to be entertaining on, a, I was supposed to be entertaining on the top floor of the building that overlooks Sandoval. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all gone. None of that's happening now. And we have to assume that this will be a minimum six months. For those of us who work in Formula One, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, it's okay, sit tight, it'll all blow over. It's not going to blow over. They're about to cancel. It. Well, they're about to postpone the Olympics, which is the big hmm. daddy. So if even the Monaco Grand Prix and the Olympics can be postponed, you've got to assume... Uh, I, I am planning for a minimum six months where nothing happens at all. So that would put us in the mid, mid to late September, which is yeah. Sing- Singapore territory. And you would assume that Singapore wouldn't happen either because that's a street track and they would want an assurance that the race would happen. Um, so that puts us into October at that point. Might be, I mean, we might be all guns blazing October, November, December. We might have 12 races, who knows? But nothing will happen in the interim. And because of that, and I hate that I'm, being a doomsayer here. I worry about the viability of the businesses that have employed many of us in racing, not people like a you know, Mercedes or Ferrari. Yeah, sure, they'll be fine. But the smaller companies, you know, the hospitality people, the, uh, the media outlets, um, television networks. I've, you know, I, I may work for many television networks. There's no guarantee that they'll be solvent. They were relying no. on huge amounts of advertising revenue, you know, even people like the behemoth, like Sky Sports, you know, think about the amount of money they pay for TV rights for the Premier League and so on. Well, OK, well, what if they can't get out of that deal and then they have to pay that money and then there's no money coming in? You know, who, this is not something we've ever faced. There's no guarantee that any of this will still exist. We could be in a completely new world order. I, I genuinely, in my sort of worst case scenario plans, have started to think to myself, we're going to start 2021 with Cosworth DFE engines because that's what the budgets will dictate. No one will think, let's run a turbo hybrid now that we've lost you know, $175 million in the last year because none of the races happened. It's, it's, it could be that bad. And I, it's foolhardy, in my opinion, to, to, to think otherwise. We have to start planning for a worst case scenario now.
3: Yeah, job wise, I mean, uh, I mean exactly that um, that position. In the, I've been told not to bother going to work because we can't practice the uh, social distancing or the um, or, or visit anyone who's self isolating. And my job in in outside of podcasting is to go and go into people's homes and, and meet strangers all day. So. You know, the I understand the, the economic side of things. Um this side of the Atlantic we've got a little bit more of a of a sort of financial package that's um perhaps a little bit more robust maybe than than, than the American side. I don't really know um what the uh what the US have have, have proposed. But hopefully anything that's based in the UK will be covered by this strangely socialist Tory government that, 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 that says absolutely nothing can go under and they'll do anything they, they, they can to, to, to float it so the teams themselves most of them being based in Britain I, I would hope would be okay but of course there's got to be that huge deficit um, as you say for media companies and, and everyone else hospitality etc
1: yeah. I, I think the, the teams will probably be okay this year because their payments are based on last year the big knock on effect will be 2021 because suddenly they'll have no income coming in from the previous year. So how is that going to get plugged? You know, there's all sorts of things we don't know the answer to. And I don't want to seem like that I'm, I'm saying, woe is me. I can't be on a yacht in Monaco. Of course, that's <laughs> a terrible thing. But we're now, you know, we are basically in a war with a virus now. So we're on, yeah. we're, you know, I hate to go all dad's army about it. But, you know, never mind all that. There's a war going on. It really is that. Mm. And, and I know that you... Everyone sitting around the tables here, virtually, have the same worries. How are we going to pay the bills and so on? And and it doesn't, you know, those of us who look like we've got this coddled existence are thinking the exact. Hello. Hey, do you think those are going to last? Oh. oh, lost you for a oh, sec. I- lost you for a second there, <laughs> Sean. You disappeared. <laughs> Did I? Well, yeah. I'm back as if by magic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was I up to?
3: You said exact, and then I lost you.
1: <laughs> well, uh, what was the rest of the sentence? <laughs> <laughs> coddled existence. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. It, those of us in Formula One have a very coddled existence, and it's very comfortable. I can tell you that after I finish this recording, I am going to a job interview at Walmart. The job is to to offload supplies for the shelves. It's fourteen dollars an hour. And I was, as I said, I was supposed to be doing all this. You know ching ching sort of stuff isn't this wonderful yes yes formula one's a great job that doesn't exist anymore not for the time being and not for a long while to go it's hard you know we have to get face reality and yeah okay doing eight hour and overnight shifts at walmart might be not fun but it's a hell of a lot more fun than having no money which is what millions of people are facing now and I, yeah. I, I've never, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm really excited to go to this interview because like, <laughs> oh, wow, okay, something that might keep the wolf from the door. Because none of us are thinking about prosperity. We're all thinking about survival now. And, and, it's, and, and Formula, Formula One people are the same.
4: I uh, had a good quote about this. Uh, someone was saying, um, we've been fooled into thinking that what we've been living in was normal. Like the, the idea of this, like, solid platform that society was just resting on and we've sort of thought, well, this is just, this will be there tomorrow and I'll be there the next day. And we'll be there the next day. And what the world was like six months ago is not coming back again. You know, what, what comes back after this is going to be something different.
1: Yeah. Uh, In, in some senses there there could be some good that comes from it because I Mm -hmm. think it will remind people that there is actually a society. We are not a group of 8 billion individuals and there is a cumulative effect of all of us you know something that someone does affects what other people does and and other people do that might be nice it might be nice if um, governments realize that bailing out companies is not necessarily the same as bailing out people and i know that in this country in the u.s we have an argument at the moment that the, uh, the, you know, the Republican not to get going go to politics too much, but the Republicans want to bail out industries like the aviation industry and the Democrats say, look, we'll do it. But we only want to do it as long as you have a proviso that you can't just fire all your workers as soon as we give you all the money. Um, because then, you know, it's like, okay, well we've, we've got our money now. We can fire everybody and we can still pay out our corporate bonuses, which again, it's, it's like, are you even in touch with reality right now? You know, we're all going to go down and not only that, but if you do that, as I mentioned before we come on the air, um, it could lead to civil unrest. It genuinely could. You know, it, you've always said. You ever heard that saying that you're only three meals away from revolution? If people don't eat and we start getting evicted on mass, then what have we got to lose? It, 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 they genuinely need to consider these things. So, sorry, it's turned, I know it's supposed to be a racing podcast, but we've turned into like I've turned into Wolfie Smith here. Um <laughs> well, it's racing. Yeah, so this yeah. is Sean, Sean Kelly broadcasting on behalf of the Tooting Popular Front. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
4: Oh, we're gonna get we're thing gonna
0: get some questions. World. We're gonna get some questions about that reference. <laughs> Power to the people. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Well, I'm probably, so, so the, the thing is I'm from, I'm from a working class background. So in a way it's like, look, I always knew it was like this because I started at the bottom. I didn't get born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So, you know, hopefully, I hope that there is a realization from those who are a little bit more, been a little bit more life of privilege that there is a need to look after the, uh, the more vulnerable people in our society. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> so, how about Lando Norris, eh? How about Lando Norris? <laughs>
3: <laughs> all I was going to add to that was just like, yeah, and obviously, a lot of our listeners are going to be in similar situations. So, hopefully, they can, yes. they can relate. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully feel a bit, not better, but, you know, not le- less
1: alone, perhaps, knowing that um, yeah.
3: it's, it's, it's us and it's also the world connected to Formula One, the sport that we all love, uh, going through the same things
1: right i i don't know anybody right now who who is i'm all right jack i mean we are all exactly. in this and 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 i always knew i, I always used to say you know w- w- you know when it comes to essential services like the nhs for instance i would say well we we've got to keep, keep paying onto that paying into it and and you know unemployment benefit and and so on because one day i might need that again who's you know okay all it all looks like roses today but what if the whole thing goes out the window tomorrow what am i going to do i'm going to need these safety nets um, so yeah, I, I, hope, I hope more and more people realize when this is all over, you know, these are the things we need as a society to make sure that we don't fall into just complete destitution. You know, we, we all need to, in this situation, we kind of need to look out for each other and, uh, be prepared to do uh, stuff that's, you know, we're not going to get paid as much as we were. We're not going to, no. sometimes we're going to have to do more voluntary work. Pro bono work, it, just because that's what's going to get us through. There's a war going on.
0: That is that is Literally, the only way to describe yeah. it. That really is the only way to describe it. Kind of seems a little bit fatuous now, talking talking about F one and I racing, just just with the situation that the entire world is in. Um, but people, well, people have said we need our spirits picking up, and yeah. I'm not helping.
4: to get back on um sort of racing sort of stuff if stick your neck out will we see more racing this year
2: Hmm. (laughs) in terms of formula one yeah yeah (laughs)
1: um we i think that if if article 5.4 of the regs i think it's 5.4 of the regs says that we have to have eight races for a championship it is to me increasingly unlikely we will have a championship mm. we may have we may have some non-championship races that may happen because there is a financial incentive to do that for the promoters and so on there, there'd be a big incentive to be the first person to put a race on after you know, what would then have been nearly a year of inactivity. So there will be a a financial incentive and an emotional incentive to do that. Whether or not we actually have a championship is quite another matter. And I can say that, uh, you know, I'm planning for at least the next six months that I won't be doing the job that I normally do and possibly longer. I, I think if you look at the data that the World Health Organization has put out, it says that this pandemic won't even peak until July. Well, okay, say goodbye to France, Austria, Great Britain, <coughs> Hungary. Um, then we've got the August layoff. Um, Which they've already can- cancelled, haven't they? Yeah. And are we seriously going to go to Monza? No. Pro- <laughs> probably not. Then we're not going to go to Singapore because Singapore's a street track. So that puts us in the back end of the season. And if... if by some miracle it is all cleared up by then even then we won't be able to there won't be it won't be like a war as we've known it in the, there won't be like this VE day where everybody floods the streets and say "Hey, war is over we've won it won't happen like that because it'll be a gradual loosening of restrictions to see because they have to keep an eye on it so that the pandemic doesn't flare up again so as I understand it it might be a, a bit of a, a sine wave if you will of loosening restrictions and then we get a flare-up and then it, the restrictions get tightened again and then loosening it up and, and so on. So this could last – it could be six let's – say, let's say six months from now we start to do something that's sporting remotely in real life. Seven months from now, it might be a case of, well, we've got to cancel everything because there's been a flare-up. And then two months later, okay, now we can start again. And then there might be two months after that, now we've got to cancel for a bit. It could happen like that. So it's impossible to plan a championship around that, but you could plan some non-championship events around it. So yeah, that's the, the, my long-winded answer. Too long didn't read. No, I don't think there'll be a championship. Right, as, as I speak to you right now, I'm not expecting there to be a championship this year. There might be some racing. Do you think it would,
4: it would work financially for them to, if, if it gets so close to the winter say, right, well, we're, we're obviously not, not going to race this year and essentially mothball these cars for next year and then that would save the
1: team some money, surely? Uh, to me, the best thing they could do is, the, the best suggestion I've heard is that the cars that race next season should be the cars that were scrutineered in Australia mm. because then that really is an absolute freeze and if there's new regs for 2022 there's less of an incentive to develop the car in 2021 because you yeah. know okay well anything we put on the car it's got to be well, well we can't we, you know essential components have to be the same as melbourne 2020 because you know that tub's been scrutinized so it has to be that tub you know you might just, be able to change a few bells and whistles like you know renew rear wing or something that's relatively cheaper to develop than an entire chassis what was the question again? I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that, that that's the thing. I mean, um, F1. have already said that the 2021 regulations will now be will now be held back a year, and next um, next year teams will be racing with um, as much of the 2021 car as they can as they can force them to. I think they, the the chassis has been frozen, and set, uh, no change in the aero from the start of this season. Um, that could, this, could, this could be tricky for McLaren because they have, a, they have the deal with Mercedes starting at the start of 2021. Uh, there's got to be some kind of get-out clause for that, surely.
4: They've already said that that deal is staying in place.
0: Which means yeah. they're going to have to completely redevelop that tub to put a Mercedes engine in the back.
4: Uh, don't forget, Braun stuck a Mercedes engine in where a Honda engine should have gone. Did pretty well with it,
3: too. Yeah, it was before everything went super slim on bodies though.
1: Well, uh, let's um, hold off, you know, delivering a verdict on what happens there. Because, you know, Renault might say we're pulling out of Grand Prix racing because we can't afford it anymore. Yes. And, you know, Mercedes might say the same thing. In which case, as I said, we're back to the Cosworth DFE. Um, We just don't know. There is no guarantee. There's no guarantee that McLaren would survive, and I'm not. I know it seems it's it's a, it's a far-fetched idea that McLaren would not survive this. I I agree, but there have been many other teams that have gone under who we never thought would go under, like Lotus, for instance. We never thought one day Lotus would go out of business, and they did. So, yeah, it, it's it's too early to it's too early to really deliver any sort of informed opinion on what might happen with McLaren. And I'm sure McLaren are thinking the same. Like, we don't know what's going to happen here. And neither do Renault and neither do Mercedes. And that's, that's
0: Crazy. The thing, I think, I think we've, we've,
1: we've got a year of... I don't
0: even want to say speculation um, because it's the teams that are having to speculate themselves.
2: I think for sponsorship, it would be really good if they could get a few races on this year, even if it is non-championship stuff. I think actually getting the sponsors like names out there and showing them off, that would be good going into next year, maybe.
1: Yeah, and, and you can imagine the, the ratings for it, the first Formula One race post-virus. Even if it's non-championship, it doesn't matter. Just, we did it, guys. We're back. We all survived. Mm-hmm. We're still here. And next year, we're going to have a world championship. Not ready yet, but we're still here. And we've still got cars. All the drivers are still here. We're going to be doing this everybody sit tight, we're coming back.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the TV ratings would go through the roof, which, um, I mean, it, it would be a massive release for a large number of people worldwide,
1: to be honest. I've had a hard time with recognising what day of the week it is. I don't know about you guys, but with, that, with the absence of sport, and particularly because it's also my career, Suddenly, there's no sport on the calendar and there's no work on the calendar. So I've been bumming around the house, thinking I don't even know what day it is. What day is it? And I'm sure many people must think the same. Many people who set their lives around well, when's Formula One happening? When's football happening? When's the tennis season? You know, when Wimbledon happening? All that stuff. You know, you just you, you, it's it's funny. It's a, an interesting social experiment on what happens <laughs> when you take when you, you take away those waypoints in life that we. It's like the are
3: area. To. It's like that time, isn't it, between Christmas and New Year, but perpetually, where you've got no money, like you, every nothing's in the shops. Everyone's gone mad and bought all the stuff because because they haven't been in the shops for a couple of days, and there's there's there's, there's no nothing bearing on what day it is. It's just it, it's just like those it's Like is it the twenty seventh of December?
1: Is it the? It's 29th? like a perpetual long weekend.
2: Yeah, you simultaneously have too much food and nothing to eat.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I was going to add that. I said, just like at Christmas, we all sit around watching the telly and eating all the time. <laughs> it is it is like that, and I have used that analogy. It's, it's like, this is like a long, dystopian, like Tim Burton's Christmas.
2: There is, there is a campaign over here I'd on the that. Isle of Man to get people to put their Christmas lights back up and just pretend it's Christmas. Yeah, That's might as a well. thing that is happening.
4: I mean, I, I haven't heard of this. I mean... <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's on facebook i will find it i will send it at you but yeah it exists people are doing it
1: well i hope jesus doesn't come back right now because the first thing think is <laughs> why won't anyone come near me i don't understand it i thought everybody would love to see me yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> now, then, i jesus, haven't even had have going you washed outside. your hands <laughs> no i haven't even had going outside to uh work out what day it is because my son came home with a cold and i've been in isolation ever since Right. I've so been about as far up as my back garden.
1: For, for those who don't know, I live in San Diego, which is one of the most amazingly picturesque places on earth. And, and a lot of my friends have texted me and said, well, if you're going to be in isolation, that's got to be the best place in the world to do it, hasn't it? And I said, no, it's really expensive to live here. And if you can't go out, you might as well be anywhere. It doesn't matter <laughs> where you are. You know, if we can't go out, it's like, okay, we can't go to the beach, we can't go to the ocean, we can't go out skiing or whatever you wanna do around here. It, you know, we're just in a very, very expensive house. That's it, you know, there's or in our case, an apartment. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter where we are. We might as well be in you know, Scunthorpe. It doesn't make any difference. Um, all we're thinking, all, like everybody else, all we're thinking is how do we pay for everything now? Now there's uh, gonna be you know, an extra 20 million people unemployed all of a sudden. Um, sorry, I sound like the worst Debbie Downer on Earth. We're here to talk about racing and everything, and I'm basically telling you it's all over. It's knackered. Forget it. Doomed. We're all, all going to die. The end.
3: Jeez. Um, yeah. <laughs>
4: Only
1: some of us are going to die. Only Just the lucky s- ones. Right. <laughs> some of us will die, uh, but some of us won't die, and we'll be very happy that you are the ones who died instead. Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. So hopefully, hopefully I, nobody connected to this podcast will I, die. <laughs>
1: well, hope, well, hopefully nobody in general will die. Um, yes. Yeah, and but, um, I'm sure yeah. if we, if we follow the, the restrictions that are being placed upon us, we will safeguard a lot of lives. And that is the main thing. We are all staying at home during this because not necessarily for ourselves, but for others.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm essentially at home now for the next however long, 12 weeks planned, but you know, you can't plan this thing. I'm also shopping for, um, for my family members who are currently self isolating. So that that's, uh, a challenge in itself as well.
1: Do you know, one of the most interesting things I've got to, I've got to send a text message to my friend, Doug Wheelock. Now, for those of you who don't know that name, Doug Wheelock is a former, uh, well, still is a current, uh, astronaut for NASA has been up to the international space station twice. He uh, spent uh, something like two hundred days in space, and I want to text him and say, "Doug, is this anything like being stuck in the International Space Station for one hundred and fifty days? <laughs> you can't go out, and when you do go out, you have to wear this suit that you know keeps you safe." And it must be like that. Yeah, it must be like that. He must be. He his house must be amazing right now. He must be so used to this. This is great. I'm used to being in a locked box for days on end. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he's an absolute demon with this whole quarantine stuff.
2: Random, like, long-life tinned food and long-life milk and stuff like that will be nothing to him as well compared to, like, the space rations that they have.
1: Yeah, exactly. The only thing is that the view isn't as good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All all you need is a half-decent TV and Google Earth. Sorted.
1: Well... (laughs) I mean that's one way of looking at it. Now we've got three three D Google Maps. Yeah, that's what we should do. We'll, we'll all put on a uh, put on a YouTube video from the ISS and just pretend we're in a spacecraft.
3: I was going to say there is a live YouTube, isn't there, that runs for pretty much twenty four seven from from the space station, so you can watch it from. Uh... Yeah, it, it, I always find it really weird and a little bit humbling to think that everything that humans have ever done, bar like a very, very small percentage, it happens on that strange ball that's below the camera.
1: Yeah. yeah. And not to become too existential about it, but I would say the current events bring that into focus, don't they? That yeah. You realise yeah. how relatively meaningless everything we do is. I mean, what do I do? All I do is talk numbers about a load of very, very rich people driving around and around in circles. Not exactly earth shattering but yet was very important to me until about 10 days ago.
3: Yeah. And then other things take precedent as we've already,
1: yeah, we've already and now, said. And now it's like, now we're all, you know, tin hats on lads. On we go. There's a war, <laughs> you know, it's, it is like that. And, and genuinely it is like that. And I, I do think there will be some positives. I don't want to be a downer completely. There will be some positives. Cause as I said, it will be a, 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 a the resurrection of community spirit that we're, look, we're all in this together. None of us, none of us are high and mighty. Um, none of us are going to be immune to, to, to. None of us are going to be medically immune to it for a start. It could get all of us. Uh, yeah. And, and and those of us who don't suffer from the the coronavirus might know someone who does. And we might even lose people we know or have who do lose people. And so on. So it will be a. It will. Bring And uh, complete you know, this is this dress blue or is it gold or do you really care? <laughs> um, my, my
4: dystopian uh take on it is that it uh, the self isolation thing gives like an already fragmented uh, society chance to not speak to each other
3: at all anymore.
1: Well, we can still launch stuff at each other via Twitter, that's what that's called, <laughs> obviously. <laughs>
3: I Um, saw your tweet earlier, Sean, saying, can you imagine how this would be if we didn't have social media?
1: Yeah, or indeed the internet. Imagine if this had happened 25 years ago, when the only method of communication we would have had is a telephone. And we could have only only spoken to one person at a time. And one person in the household could only speak with one other person in another household. We would have all gone absolutely stir crazy. So at times like this, we should be thankful that we have technology such as the very stuff we're using to communicate right now um, in uh, front of me. You know, so, I long long as ca- yeah, so long as it's working. Yes, so long as it's working. know, I'm able to talk to you via the internet. I can look at the news. I can, um, I can uh, direct message people. I can instant message people. I can play online gaming. It's all stuff that didn't exist 25 years ago. So we're very lucky in that regard.
2: Yeah, you're joking about yeah. technology working. We're kind of desperately reshuffling our headphone cables here because we're having a little bit of a crackle,
0: and the input from oh, the yeah. desk as well. I think I think
3: there's a dodgy cable going on.
2: It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll work around. I, it. I,
3: got I did hear some some shuffling around. I wonder what you are up to.
2: Yeah. There's... Well,
1: <laughs> why don't we play, I've got an idea guys, why don't we play a game of hide and seek, alright, I'll count to 30, <laughs> right? you hide, and I'll see if I can find you using nothing but sound. <laughs> well if these headphones pack in again, um, I won't be able to know if Maybe I've been we do that. not. There's got, there's got to be an output here for games that we could do, should like, you know could, like name, name random Grand Prix winners, you know, could we do something like that? Or random Grand Prix. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just like go and open a book and find one. Let's see how many I can remember, or, or like I'll, tr- I'll test you on random knowledge. And why don't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> why have we? Do, why why are we not do. thought about this before? Why does it take? How long have we been on now? Um, like forty. Minutes oh, and it's 40 taken all this...
3: something minutes. Yeah. I've gone
1: on endlessly about how we're all doomed and we may as well all give up. And I've got this far into it and finally come up with something that's useful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going <laughs> to save people and. You know, cut exactly. the boredom. Um, this is what the people need. Well,
3: I'll tell you what, yes.
0: Lee, have you got your iPad in front of you?
2: Well, I, I was
3: going to say, actually, Paul, before before you saying that, I was going to say, um, have we had Sean on since uh, I went a little bit uh, Rain Man during the Brazilian Grand Prix last year? <laughs> don't think so.
2: I don't think I was on that one. I don't remember that.
3: We were watching the Brazilian, we were live blogging the Brazilian Grand Prix Um and uh was it um was it a, a one two for honda or something was that was that correct one oh. two for honda that's right. yeah yes yep, that's right a one two and it, it, it was honda and i think paul said that's honda's first one two since the 91 brazilian grand prix and he went no it's not ricardo Patrese finished second in the 91 brazilian grand prix or something along those lines <laughs> <laughs> that, that and, is, and I, I don't know correct. where it came from i don't but know that that where correct. that came from but i just knew it <laughs> Well, you are right. Petresi was second in that race. He was, yeah. That was a, that's the famous Senna race, isn't it, where he couldn't lift the trophy.
1: Yeah, and he he only had, I think, second and sixth gears, and then eventually it jammed in sixth. Yeah, and he still won. And he still won. <laughs> He he wouldn't have gone another lap if that race had been seventy-two laps instead of seventy-one laps. He wouldn't have won it.
3: No. Yeah, yeah, insane. But yeah, that's just t- t- totally crazy. where how the, the 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 memory
1: works sometimes, and right. Um, but uh, also. Uh, Honda 1-2s, not only Brazil 2019, here's, here's my day job, Brazil 2019, Honda finished first and second, on Soichiro Honda's birthday, no less, the anniversary of the birth of the founder of the company, it was okay. the first time Honda had finished first and second since the day Senna won his last world title, Suzuka 1991, and the first time Honda had, had a 1-2 with two different cars since Monza 1987, when PK was first for Williams and Senna was second. Wow. You are welcome. I don't have a financial use for that information.
2: That is a statistically (laughs) rich race. Not at the
4: moment. (laughs) Yeah, not at the moment. You're going to have to start just telling people facts and then invoice them
1: for them. Well, I've actually... you you basically, basically just said what my career is. But I was thinking <laughs> I was going to get a job at Walmart and then stand... As I tweeted about this the other day. I'm going to get a job at Walmart as the greeter and I'm going to stand there with a megaphone because obviously we can't get close to everybody. I'm going to pontificate at length as to why Max Verstappen is better than Gilles Villeneuve and I've got the numbers to back it up. <laughs> uh, all these incredulous people are going to be walking in... <coughs> walking in so they can buy bog roll and i'm going to be telling them about spain 1981
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna put them off at all is it what the fuck have we come to
1: <laughs> right i've just got an
3: email from formula one i don't know if anybody else has got oh. the notification about the email
2: uh, I um, so- yeah.
3: no 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 not, not at all <laughs> uh it says about um the the decisive action of an initial response to the COVID 19 but it, the, the the closing the closing sentence of the email is we are all committed to bringing our fans a 2020 championship season
1: great yeah. so, just that was like that's like saying i was committed to earning money this season yes
3: <laughs> yeah i i was committed to going to work until i was
1: told not to yeah, I was committed to not having the coronavirus <laughs> until I one day got it. Exactly. Don't forget yeah. as well. Hopefully o- that o- doesn't happen.
2: Over here with the TT being cancelled, that came 3 days after Oh, we're not worried about the TT. We've got loads of time. Things can change. I,
1: I shouldn't also... I, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't really Hiss on the parade too much. but what they're essentially trying to do is to provide reassuring words Like we're really trying, guys. We're not just going to throw our hands up and say bollocks to it. We're not going to. Mm. We're not giving up. Yeah. We really want this to happen. So, really, I shouldn't. I should not jest because they are trying to say we're really trying here.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: So what 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 kind of um,
3: when you talk about like testing each other on like random Formula One knowledge, going like here and there. I started watching Formula One roughly nineteen ninety one, ninety two. That's, Night, why knew,
1: Patrezi, that's why you knew portrays. That's why you knew portrays you in
3: Because it's one of my first races that I've watched uh, as a kid. But you know, I can remember so many totally random things. You think you were asking about what race? Because you did a, like a live thing, didn't you? About the um, uh, you did a, uh, watching a, a race on F1 TV, and you, you you live blogged it on Twitter at the same time as you were watching it, and a, a number of other people were watching it along
1: along with you. What, uh, what race did you choose in the end? I can't remember. It was the 1999 European Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. That's right. Yeah, the, uh, the, the super, um,
3: super eventful 99 European Grand Prix, which Johnny Herbert won, is that correct, in the
1: Stewart, He did, and uh, he did not win it by cutting the first corner completely like he attempted to do in that eSports <laughs> no, right. no, race, but he no, wasn't correct. far yeah. off that because yeah. basically it was, a, it, was, it was an example in what happens if you just stay on the road. Because he kind of yeah. avoided trouble all day while everybody else flung it at the hedge. And he ended up mm-hmm. winning.
0: Yeah. What was it, four, yeah, I, four um... different
1: leaders crashed out? Or was it more? Um, well, Frenton retired from the lead. Coulthard crashed out. Ralph spun out of the lead. Well, Ralph had a puncture. Fisichella um, spun out of the lead. Have I missed anyone there? Um, yeah. But there was a lot of action. Fun for all the family.
3: I don't, I don't, I, what, it was the right tyre change at the right time as well for her on that race. Watching, well, watching yes, it while we're
0: watching it while we're doing the tweet long the other night, I did rem, I did remember saying at the time, "Does anyone actually want to win this?" <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> and as I recall, uh, Jim Rosenthal when he was presenting that live on ITV closed the show with that comment: "Does anyone want to win this world championship?" No, clearly not. No, no, because uh, yeah, like, my friend. Uh, Frentzen had the chance to win it, had the chance to tie the lead of the championship. Then uh, Hacken and, uh, like made 14 pit stops and Irvine did, had a pit stop and there was no tire. And then Coulthard was leading the race and he was going to go almost level with the championship lead. And he, he went off. It was like, man, this is a crazy race yeah my suggestion for the race that you should have uh, covered and i'm, I'm kind of glad
3: you chose that one over the one i suggested actually much more interesting was the last the last portuguese grand prix at Estoril, which i thought at first was 97 but then i realized that i think like, a quick google told me it was 96 i think
1: yeah yeah i remember that race because damon hill went into it with a chance to win the world championship and if i remember correctly and you can look this up jack villeneuve took pole for that race by i think nine thousandths of a second wow um, okay so it was a really close qualifying. And, of course, the, the thing that people remember most from that race is that Villeneuve out- passed Michael Schumacher around the outside of the last corner. Mm-hmm. Having, having said that, I think I, he said, I could pass people around the outside of that last corner using his oval super speedway experience from IndyCar. And yeah. Patrick Head said he must be mad. I was in a, his cloud cuckoo land. And then Schumacher got um, hung up behind, I think it was Giovanni Lavaggi's Minardi. So he, right, he okay. checked, checked up, and Villeneuve kept his foot in it and went right around the outside of him. So, yeah, that was... Uh, someone said to me the other day, is there anybody in Formula 1 who, en- who endured a bigger fall from grace than Jacques Villeneuve? He went from Ooh. being the, the toast of the paddock to being almost ridicule for being like this sort of one-hit wonder sort of thing. Not, you know, Of course, he had two well, seasons, which is good, but... He also
3: made an album, so
0: you know, <laughs> yeah. one hit, one B. we, we may have
3: mentioned this once or twice. I think Jack gets a hard time.
1: I, I think he does, too. I think he didn't help himself in certain regards. Um, I, I he, he obviously made some career moves that were questionable. I mean, the big one was... Luc- lucrative,
4: Is I think, is the word. Luc- yeah, lucrative,
1: lucrative <laughs> yes, most definitely. Uh, did they work? Not so much. Um i mean vener was always he was always an acquired taste at the best of times, uh, but certainly by the end of his career he had no, none of the none of the uh, the the uh, what's, whats what's the phrase i'm looking for the kudos i guess that he had in ninety six uh, i still am of the opinion that his ninety seven world title is one of the most labored world championships in grand Prix history he had a car that was so demonstrably the best in the field, and yet somehow it took him until the last race to win that championship if, yeah. if michael schumacher had had that car he would have had it wrapped up by f- four rounds left it, it was yeah, really yeah. just uh, he was much better in 96 and a lot better i actually think Villeneuve's best year in formula one was 98 when he had a car that wasn't very good and he really drove the balls off that thing got it on the podium at hockenheim and hungara ring when it really shouldn't have done well, i mean if you look at look at
3: Villeneuve in comparison to Kimmy Räikkönen, for example, Räikkönen is, you know, is similar in that uh, he won a world championship more than ten years. It was it thirteen years ago now, um, and it was something like ten years after Jacques won his world championship when he retired. Yet yeah, they're held in totally different regards, but it's just because the the personalities
1: are so wildly different. Yes, and I've said many times, possibly on your airwaves previously, that Kimmy Räikkönen has gotten away with sequences of results that other drivers would not get away with the yeah. idea that, you know if you look at his 2014 year at ferrari now i could I, I confess alonso only got two podium finishes with that car but he nearly won in hungary that year while raikkonen was 12th It was the worst the worst uh season for a ferrari driver who did a full season since didier peroni in 1981 oh dear so <laughs> that was yeah that was a particularly poor effort um uh, and even in in I think 15 and 16, he was only a sporadic podium visitor. So Raikkonen and got away with some subpar results there, in my opinion. And I think it was only really brought into sharper focus when they put Charles Leclerc in the car. And yeah, so what happened a, next?
3: Yeah, yeah, Ferrari kind of started imploding in a totally different way. Um but yeah, they had a fairly successful, um fairly successful year with Charles last year. But the, um, that, that, that's a really interesting start, what you said about about the whole Didier Peroni thing. Does that that includes like, the, the really terrible Ferraris from the early 90s as well.
1: Well, bear in mind that uh, for 92, which was arguably Ferrari's worst se- year in that sequence, uh, Ivan Capelli didn't complete the season. Nicole Lurini raced in Japan and in Australia. So he is spared the indignity of being a Ferrari driver who did a full season in the car. There were worse Ferraris in that time, but not worse full seasons. Got
0: you, okay. That, 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 kind, that kind of gets him out of it,
1: just. On a technicality. <laughs> I, think, I, I think what you should take from that is that had he not been Kimi Raikkonen, he would have been fired because he was that bad. Yeah. The car, the, the car was bad, but he was bad as well. And he got away with it because he was Kimi Raikkonen. If it had been Jack Bielner getting those results, people would have absolutely trashed him. Or, or let's say if it was Lance Stroll. If Lance Stroll gets those results, it'd be like, "God, oh, this guy, oh, whatever, daddy's money, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because it was Raikkonen. Raikkonen's, like, made a Teflon. It doesn't matter.
4: Either Hass driver.
1: Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Raikkonen's less, less susceptible to running into people, perhaps. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but, say, but same thing. You know, if the results aren't there... The results aren't there, guys. It's, it doesn't matter who... If you just if you call every driver driver A, driver B, driver C, and you looked at those results, you say, well, this guy's obviously no good.
3: Yeah. But then again, like Lee just said then, look at both Haas drivers. We are amazed every season when they announce Grosjean and Magnussen to drive again at Haas. Like, I, I can't believe they're actually becoming one of the longest pairings in in the same team in Formula One history, which is weird when you think about it because they're not successful
2: <laughs>
1: well <laughs> yeah, their, their yeah, agents
2: man. are their agents are obviously very successful
1: <laughs> yes. yes it's true perhaps has have had other things distracting them in the last 12 months but not just and i'm not just talking about the comedy that is their their sponsor but <laughs> the also the fact that they couldn't figure out what the car was doing on any given lap on a set of tires yeah it, it was a you know I think Magnussen was fifth on the grid in Melbourne last year, so the car had, the car had one lap pace. Um, he might have been sixth on the grid in Melbourne, I can't remember. But he was, he was well up on the grid in, Aust- in Austria as well. So the car had single lap pace, but doing 60 of them in a row seemed to, uh, seemed to defeat them. They were also... Kevin Magnuson became the first man to set the fastest lap last season without getting the bonus point because he didn't finish in the top ten. Little known fact there.
2: Was that at Singapore?
1: Very, good. Yeah. I like that. Oh. Top, top, top knowledge from across the room there. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Seem to remember something happening. He got, is it two years in a row, he got the fastest lap at Singapore as well. Yes.
1: Yes. More top knowledge.
3: Uh, mm.
0: That is true. You, say, you, you have taught us well, Sean. You've taught us very well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Retain inter-
3: the information. Retain the information. <laughs> to,
1: to interrupt with random stattery. Yes. <laughs> so, as they, as they always say, stat three will get you everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought yeah. mine were bad.
1: Were you going to start naming random Grand Prix? Then I was going to just throw that in. I, I don't we're... know. Ruin. I don't want to ruin your, your shuntage if no, there is let's, shuntage let's
2: all pick movie. a random Grand Prix. Why not?
1: Yeah, I, I reckon I reckon that's a good idea. We
0: we will we will uh, we will shunt at some point.
3: Kyle
2: Army, Kyle Army.
3: Nineteen ninety three.
1: Oh, it's an interesting one. That was the opening. That was the last race to be held on the continent of Africa. And yeah. uh, it was the first Grand Prix that was held since they narrowed the rear. They narrowed the tires for the start of that season. And the cars were reduced in track to 200 centimeters, 2,000 mil. And it was Prost on pole position. I think Senna was alongside. Then it was Schumacher and Hill in fourth place. And Hill, Hill got up to second place and then he spun almost instantly. I remember um, him spinning and I was very irritated. I'm sure <laughs> he was irritated too. because I thought, "Oh, why wow, is up? Oh no, he's not upset." Um he eventually got taken out in a collision with Alex zanardi who uh, was making his debut with Lotus, not his F1 debut but his his debut with the Lotus team. And it boiled down to a battle between mm-hmm. Prost Schumacher and Senna. Now, imagine that. We didn't realize what we had at the time. Prost Schumacher and Senna all no. arguing over the same bit of racetrack. What a what battle for the ages. Eventually, Senna and Schumacher collided, sort of. Schumacher, I think, was trying to pass Senna. Senna closed the door. Schumacher spun it and stalled it. Refused to speak to Tony Jardine, or Jonathan Palmer, it would have been back then, uh, in the pit lane. And then eventually, there was a massive thunderstorm. Loads of cars went off. And Prost slithered around to win the race for Williams-Renault on his debut for the team. Senna was second. And then Mark Blundell was third for Ligier. And that was Ligier's first podium, I think, since the 1986 Detroit Grand Prix.
3: spot on, 100 points to Sean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Let's try this one. 1995 Argentinian Grand Prix. Well, that race was red flagged uh, initially. Uh, It was the first race in Argentina since 1981. And before the, the practice began, Carlos Reutemann was given a test run, a sort of demonstration run in a 1994 Ferrari. And he did a lap time that would have been good enough for something like 11th on the grid. So now, would this discount the fact that the cars had been changed massively that year? And he was driving a 94 car, which had more downforce and, a, and an engine that had 500cc more capacity. Gloss over that bit. It's still a good story. Anyway, <laughs> 1995. It was supposed to, Argentina was supposed to happen in 1994 and it was, it was cancelled. There's another cancelled race. It was originally on the calendar and then it wasn't. But it did happen in 95. And it rained for both Friday and Saturday. So it was, it was pissing down with rain. It was, I remember it was streaming wet. And David Coulthard got his first career pole position. It was the first time I'd ever seen somebody wear uh, the yellow visor. That, as he put it at the time, I think, it's like switch, somebody switches the lights on when you're in the wet, if you wear a yellow visor. So I'd never seen that before. So Coulthard started like from pole position. the old driving glasses. Yes, indeed. So Coulthard started from pole position. There was a red flag uh, because Lacey spun and there was a couple of other Barneys going on. So they had to restart it. Second race happened, Irvine and Hackenden collided on the rundown to turn one. Hackenden ended up in the sand trap with a blown tire, rear tire. Uh, early battle was between, uh, Schumacher got the lead off the start and Damon, Damon Hill was second, Coulthard in, no, no, I have that wrong. Coulthard was in the lead and he had, a, he, had a, he had the electrics cut out and then Schumacher and Hill got ahead of him and then Coulthard started closing up And then Hill finally passed Schumacher for the lead. That was the first pass for the lead we'd had since 1993, because there was no passes on track for the lead in 1994. Little known. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So, um, and then I can't remember if Coulthard got Schumacher. I think, but Coulthard's car eventually broke down, so it was we were left with Hill at the front and Schumacher. Schumacher ended up third in that race, as I recall. I think a finished. A may have finished second in that race. I'm sure, I'm sure Schumacher was third in that race, not second. Uh, So it didn't look good for Schumacher's championship chances. And it's kind of funny in retrospect, when you look at how that Benetton team started that season, that Schumacher actually ended up winning nine races and Benetton won the Constructors title (laughs) because early in the year, it looked like Williams were going to be dominant. And I'm sure if you spoke to anyone within Williams, they would say, we should have won the championship that year. We had the fastest car, much as is the case in 97, but the drivers sort of labored, particularly Damon Hill in 95. Yeah. Um, who, you know, had the figure of a broken man before going away and recharging the batteries and and winning it in
3: 96. Yeah. That's a good one with the Argentine Grand Prix. I'm just trying to remember. Sean will be able to answer this almost instantly. What was the Argentine Grand Prix? What year was it where uh, a track worker had a huge dispute before the... um, for the race and took a digger to the circuit that had to be had to be repaired very quickly and there was a terrible bump going into one of the turns I don't recall that story specifically but um, it sounds
1: great you... <laughs> it sounds amazing Yeah, yeah a, track,
3: was... a track worker had, a, had, a, had an argument and I'm, I'm going to see if I can find this on Wikipedia um, I do remember that I remember there being a terrible bump because they had to resurface very very hurriedly before the Grand Prix and the drivers I... hated the bump
1: yeah, there was a huge bump before what was known as the Ascari turn in 96, I think it was. A huge bump. Because um, I remember watching it in practice and thinking that car, every car is just absolutely bottoming out so hard over that. Because it was like 170 miles an hour when they get to that bump. Mm. So it might have been that instance. I confess I don't know that exact story, but it sounds brilliant. We need to we need to get on that. We, we let's get on uh, get on the interweb and find out what happened there. I am looking at that Stop one. On looking at that one now. It was resurfaced
0: um at the end of the ninety-five season, but I can't see anything about anybody protesting.
2: While you do further I research, I seem to remember Go on, Flood, sorry. I seem to
3: remember Murray Walker I was gonna say, I seem to remember Murray Walker telling the story. Um, just before uh, qualifying, I was watching that on Euro uh, Eurosport. No, it couldn't be Eurosport. He did do the qualifying, thing for
1: Eurosport commentary for Eurosport. But I did used to watch a lot of Eurosport, so maybe I heard it through Eurosport. Right. Well, I- given the overlapping circumstances you're presenting, it could only be '95 or '96 because Eurosport had the rights until the end of '96, and Argentina only came back right okay. in '95. Yeah, so it, really, it would have really been nice at this point. People who've tuned in for their regular bank of coronavirus <laughs> doom and gloom will be turning off in their droves right now.
2: Shall I throw in uh, another, I have... another random Grand Prix while further research is continuing?
1: Why yeah, not? Go, right go on.
2: Ahead. Let's go with the 2009 Italian Grand Prix.
1: 2009 Italian Grand Prix. That race finished under a safety car, although the safety car was deployed so late that we didn't notice. There was no safety car on the track, but officially it finished behind the safety car and um lewis hamilton had crashed on the last lap at the lesmo corners
3: or was that when he was trying trying super hard and he crashed
1: yeah Yeah. and we ended up with and that was rubens Barrichello who won that race and it was Barrichello's last grand prix victory if memory serves me correctly um it may have been a brawn one two finish i confess i can't remember uh but those are the those are the main headlines of that race.
2: It it was it was a Braun one-two. It was Barrichello and, from Button with Räikkönen third.
1: Right, and uh, Adrian Sutil was on the front row of that race, and it was Adrian Sutil's only front row start in his career, and he set the fastest lap, as I recall. He did. That's all I got for you.
2: There we go. I can't, remember, I can't remember anything.
1: <laughs> can't remember anything else about what happened in that race. According that's, that's to Wikipedia, everything I remember.
2: according to Wikipedia, it for was now. also the um, the uh, the last race won by a Brazilian.
1: Yes, that is true.
2: Which feels that's like a long time. ago. Yeah, Yeah, crazy long.
3: time ago. Of, yeah, crazy long Massa ago. didn't win after that.
1: Yeah, uh, he never he Ma- never won. He never won again after Brazil 08. That day when he yeah. lost the title to death, he never won another race.
3: Yeah, yeah, because, of course, 2009 Italian Grand Prix, would he, that would have been just after his, um, well, he would have been taken time out, out, wouldn't he, from his accident. Yes, um, uh,
1: Giancarlo Fisichella was in the Ferrari that weekend.
3: At that time, got you.
1: Wasn't that uh, Fisichella's first race in the Ferrari? It was, yeah, he'd been promoted after Belgium when he neared, when he took pole in Belgium and nearly and, won. And should have won. A highly suspicious, by the way, <clears throat> highly suspicious increase in form from Force India after physically physical had been knocked out in Q1 for half the season, suddenly takes pole position. That's like if George Russell had been on pole in Abu Dhabi. Very, very suspicious. <laughs> um, I, I had heard a story, and I'd love to think that it was true, that um, Bernie had gotten some softer compound Bridgestones together for them, and for them, and for BMW, Sauber, and for Toyota, because he was worried they were all going to pull out of F1. So he decided, well, I'll tell you what, the best way we can do this is to give them some softer tires. So he got Bridgestone's softer. He got Bridgestone to come up with some, the softer compound tires than what they had supposedly brought to Spa and put them, and let them use those tires, at which point they all ended up magically much more competitive out of nowhere. That's mental. What? <laughs> I, I, I what, don't, put it. That, past that, him. That, I, don't, I don't know that that's true. What that, I can tell you that 10 years ago, that was a, that was a story that was doing the reins.
2: Oh, we do love a bit of wild speculation. <laughs> that, that, Especially when it, when it that, comes to Burnley. I was Burnley. that
4: race. It was confusing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was confusing for me as well, having watched four seasons battles battle to get out of Q1 for two seasons, and then suddenly they're on pole. Yeah. I've never seen that's the biggest random spike in performance. I think I've ever seen that didn't involve the weather, but I, I still, I struggle to understand how that suddenly happened. I mean, that, that other than, you know what, you know what? I, I I tell a lie. There is one other instance, and that is 1990 French Grand Prix when Leighton House were running one, two, Ivanka Capelli came within three laps of winning the race, the previous Grand Prix in Mexico, neither car had qualified. So that's the, I guess that's an even bigger spike in performance.
0: I mean, that, that even beats um, Damon Hill in Hungary in the Arrows.
1: Yes, but, the, but De, Hill had shown some, some uh, you know, nouse for getting the car into the top ten on the grid occasionally. And also there was a tyre war going on. You know, Bridgestone brought tyres that worked for the Arrows at that track. So whenever there's a tyre war going on, you can sort of see, you know, where the performance would come from. Yeah, it's much more. It's much more. It's easy to explain it away when there's a tyre war, but in those instances, like Leighton House couldn't qualify for a race, and then suddenly they're running one-two in a race, and then Force India suddenly go from being, you know, tail end charlies to being on pole position, something they never repeated. True.
0: Yeah, definitely. Just thinking about. I know um, you've got to disperse soon, Sean. So we have to do a total shunt. Oh, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> we may do an extra one for us to stand a chance After you've gone as well But
4: we'll do, we'll do what will be the
0: first one of the night
4: Alright I, I need to find one now Because we took, we took that long My phone's run out of battery Oh, <laughs> oh god we
1: have to do more random Grand Prix of history while,
4: while I look for one You can tell me what happened at the 1982 Canadian Grand Prix Oh, oh dear oh. Tra- Tragedy Classic.
1: Tragedy But you have to bring up a race with a fatal accident He's gone quiet. quiet. Damn it. Ricardo Pelletti died in a start line accident in that race because Didier, yeah. Peron- Didier Peroni was on pole position. It was the first Grand Prix in Canada after the death of Gilles Villeneuve. And Didier Peroni dedicated the pole position to Gilles Villeneuve. I don't know what kind of reception he got for that, but nevertheless, that was a thing. At the first start, Peroni stole, stalled on pole position. The whole grid went around him except Pelletti. He was unsighted and ran absolutely plumb into the back of him like dead straight into the back of him. Um, Dead and straight is an unfortunate seen... choice of words. Sorry. Yes. Well. Well. I guess. I guess. Uh, you know. Literally. Literally true. And it, it spawned some really unpleasant footage uh, that was shot because the car caught fire while the medics were trying to tend to him. So that meant there was suddenly a scramble to put the fire out right while they were trying to get him out of the car. Um, it was yeah. It was pretty dystopian. Anyway. Yeah, I guess I, enough of me being Debbie Downer already. <laughs> there, was, there was a race, there was a race, and it had an unusual, in fact, it had a unique place in Grand Prix history because Nelson Piquet won that race in a Brabham BMW. His teammate, Ricardo Patrese finished second in that race in a Brabham Ford. And that is the only occurrence in Grand Prix history where a team has taken one, two finishes with two different engines. Wow,
0: okay. You never get that these days. Well, we might, actually.
3: Officially.
1: <laughs> we, might a, we might have a McLaren, Renault, McLaren, Mercedes. One wasn't, next wasn't the
3: two Grand Prix as well, the Canadian Grand Prix, the last incident where somebody uh, died during a race until um, Im- Imola in 94, obviously?
1: It was. Yeah, uh, that was the last time. The only fatality we had in between was Elio De Angelis, and that was in testing. Of course yeah De Angelis,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't um what was yeah De- I was Chris De- you're, you're losing your connection completely driving. I was going to say wasn't Leo El- De
1: Angelis driving a, a Brabham when he when he crashed when he was th- Yes he was yeah he was driving the BT55 which some say was the uh, the inspiration for the dominant McLaren of 1988, the MP4-4, with the reclined driving position, uh, but certainly taken to the extreme by Gordon Murray, who turned the BMW engine on its side so that it would uh, be better for the aerodynamics. But unfortunately, I think I think it seriously affected its uh, oil distribution, so it made the engine not as functional as it otherwise might have been. But that's what he was driving, and he actually crashed at the first mm-hmm. couple of corners at Paul Ricard. And the reason why the the first turns at Ricard now are tighter. Um, Was because of that, because the old the old corners were really fast, and uh, the story goes he lost the rear wing and spun off, and went over the barriers, but and the car landed upside down, which wouldn't have been a problem had it been a Grand Prix, but the car caught fire and there were no marshals around, he couldn't get out, so he he, so he he didn't die of burns, he died of asphyxiation, like smoke inhalation.
3: God, never actually knew. Very sad.
1: Yeah. Again, once again, there's me ever ever alert to bring everybody down when when you're thinking you're tuning into the podcast for a little bit of upbeat stuff. (laughs) And along comes Debbie Downer. But then you've got the 3rd of July. July, John (laughs) O'Lacy. What's that name? (laughs) I
4: said I only picked it because it was the 3rd of July and my due date. (laughs) (laughs) I hung on on for another 10 days.
1: (laughs) Wait, is that the first part of Total Shunt? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
4: I wasn't born. I do have it now. Right. <laughs> I, I had to find this okay. one. This one's we from we're ready to go. Get... Yeah, th- I had to find this one again, because this one's from Jennifer Muller, and it's her birthday um, on, when is it?
3: The, the 3rd of July.
4: Th- Thursday. So happy birthday for Thursday. That's thurs- Thursday, the
1: 26th. Happy birthday, Jennifer. Many happy returns.
4: I was born That's in 1960 That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get it on Clue Five.
2: Oh wow! Um, Difficult one then. I,
4: I I was born in 1969. Okay, okay. so, so, so the same
2: age as Schumacher.
4: 50. I started racing uh, with my three siblings. However, I was the only one that continued to race. I think Sean's
3: going to get it on that. That one, but uh, okay. So, our racing family, then.
4: I have been a professional racing driver since nineteen ninety three. Right. Okay. So
2: hang on, that's quite late, isn't it? So that would be they would be twenty four.
0: Hmm.
2: Or am I math? No, that no, no that's, that's
0: no twenty four.
4: Are you still, still with us,
3: Sean?
2: Still
4: here. We're Don't
3: looking forget at a racing was the 1990s 15, correct? Yeah.
4: I want to at a racing family,
3: oh, of course, you do. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> I mean, born in 1969, and the, on- the only one of the family to continue racing. If you discount some of what Ralph did, does Michael have two other siblings or another sibling?
2: <laughs> I think Michael might have been professional before then. <laughs>
0: Could have done his first couple of years not being paid.
2: <laughs> professional
3: racing driver. At what point do you become a professional racing driver? Is that I Formula guess One level pays or are we you? thinking, like, like, yeah.
0: When someone pays you or you pay someone.
2: Yeah, you have a sponsor.
0: <laughs> Pedro is <Geniz. laughs> Feasible. I don't think Lee should be giving us
4: clues. No, no, not him. <laughs> <laughs> I just met a rich racing driver.
2: a <laughs> uh, well, guess then. I've got fuck all here, to be honest.
0: Uh, Tarso Marquez.
3: Wow, okay. There's a, there's a bolt out of blood field. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Anyone got anything better? Nope. <laughs> in my career I've had 5 wins And 16 podiums Definitely not Tasso Marquez <laughs> My
0: first win Was in
4: 1997 And this is the one first That you said Sean United should get China. this on You'd think, I've com- play- I, I've competed In the 24 hours Of, uh, of Nürburgring uh, And world touring cars And it's time for another guess, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Yep. I don't know that we're looking at a Formula One driver. I can't think of anybody in ninety seven who won. Gerhard Berger won a race in, in nineteen ninety seven, but I think he won the German Grand Prix that year, but he was a many time winner of races, not just not just three, and that wouldn't have been his first. Is and, he also
2: oh, a bit older?
3: And slightly older than fifty. Yes, absolutely. Sean
0: is
4: keeping his powder dry Yeah, the he well knows he's not
2: laying on. <laughs> <laughs> How old's Patrick Dempsey?
1: Ooh. sounds about the right age. I'll text him and find out.
0: Shall we go f- go for Patrick Dempsey for the second guess?
2: It'd be about right sort yeah, of. Yeah, kinda right ish age,
4: yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. In 2004, um, I became a qualified helicopter pilot. Even reading that caught me off guard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Everybody seems to like get to a certain like financial place and then want to drive helicopters. Um,
2: Drive helicopters. Driving. (laughs) Yep.
4: (laughs) Okay, sail them. My racing career has mainly been for BMW and Porsche.
2: Patrick Dempsey has a Porsche team. That is Just true. Just saying.
4: I gave up my restaurant in 2003 so I could be a full-time, uh, so I could race full-time.
2: So this is definitely wow, some was rich a boy too. racing. You know? I don't think it's Patrick Dempsey, but I think I'm along the right kind of lines. Yeah,
3: who's I, hmm. I haven't got a clue, I'm gonna be honest with you. No, I've got nothing either. I think I'm still stuck on the fact I think they stuck on the fact that they're they're from a family, but this is the only driver who carried on racing. Like I should know the rest of the family. <laughs> but maybe that, I'm just getting a little bit too too stuck on that. My first
4: British television appearance was in two thousand two with Jeremy
3: Clarkson. <laughs> James May? <laughs>
4: <laughs> James May is famed for his 16 poles and five wins.
2: If, if James yeah. May had done the 24 hours of Nürburgring, that would be one lap where he'd got lost <laughs> on the way around.
3: Where he stopped for, for a picnic halfway round, probably. Yeah, and then stopped three more oh. times to ask directions.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have a guess. Oh,
0: no.
3: Oh.
1: Is it Sabine Schmidt? Yes,
3: it is. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice one. Excellent. Excellent.
4: I have no idea who that is. No idea whatsoever.
3: The, uh, the, the, the German lady on top, was on Top Gear a couple of times, so the, she so raced for um, a van, transit. Didn't she? Yeah,
0: she said she could do the Nürburgring yeah. in 10 minutes in a transit and sort of missed out by about eight seconds.
1: Yeah. Oh, that hair! I remember that now. Which, by the way, yeah. make, makes her an absolute savage. That she can go around the door yeah. <laughs> she's like in ten minutes and eight in a transit van.
2: They did yep. mod the shit out of it, though, didn't they? Like they stripped everything out and they rode the front of it, and it was it was, yeah, modified for the experience. Doesn't
3: matter. Still, still. a diesel
1: transit. <laughs>
2: still, I, I still, yeah,
1: I still found that very sexy.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's a no, there's no <laughs> Twitter handle nur- at Nurburgring Taxi.
2: I think you can you yeah. can pay. I think to take to do nice. a lap with Sabine. Yeah, I think that is a thing.
3: Yeah, she's known as the Queen of the Nürburgring.
1: Yeah, we got it already. You don't need to keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 what questions do you have on Sean? That one, that one. I made the guess. I oh. didn't know. I had no idea who it was up to then. Oh wow!
0: (laughs) Really, no idea. That is great. Well, Sean, we know you've got to uh, you've got to disappear because, as you said, you've got
1: your uh, you've got your interview. Um... Got my big interview. Well, I've warmed up for it with this podcast. I'm going to go. They're going to go in there and say they're going to say, "What skills do you have?" And I'm going to say, "Well, it's funny you should ask. I also regale you with what happened at Buenos Aires 1995. Did you know that there was a red flag?
3: (laughs) 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 Oh, I forgot to carry on googling about this um, track. Um, dispute.
1: I think I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to carry on looking for that over the week. We'll, yeah, we'll do that in the ether. I have to do that myself because I'm fascinated as you are. <laughs> eh? I know that yeah. there was a. I think I think Michael Schumacher adopted a stray dog that 1996 weekend. I think there was a. a, a I seem to remember that was the case. He had a dog that he adopted that was a stray You know when
4: people up... are strangely robotic and then they do human things to make everybody feel they're really human.
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 well, Michael! You see, well, Michael donated 10 million bucks after the um, Indonesian tsunami. So, uh, you know, he, he, much like Ayrton Senna, he could be a right bastard on the racetrack. But as a human being, he was great. Bernie is the same. Ber- Bernie, an absolute bastard if you got on the wrong side of him. But also, if, if you were, if Bernie, you know, considered you one of his guys, he looked after you to the nth degree. Just think of that cameraman who was hit by Mark Webber's wheel in the Nürburgring pit. Bernie covered his medical expenses. So, yeah, you know, yeah. if... It, it, there's history of in racing is resplendent with this sort of character where we have somebody who seems completely just hard as nails but actually they really look after people who look after them
0: and i think that's what everybody should be doing right this minute anyway with everyone
1: yes yes uh, indeed Woods.
0: Smooth bookend, Paul. From
1: like yeah. <laughs> that bombshell.
0: Every, every so often I come out with something meaningful. Sean, thank you so much as always for joining us in these incredibly difficult times. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll have some racing to talk about. You'll have some new stats. And the world might be shown a semblance Walmart of getting back to normal. Very
1: organised. Well, I'm 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 just hoping that after listening to my words of doom, that people just don't just jump out the window. I think if you've still got all your listeners next week, we'll consider that a victory and move from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jump in the window, just stay in. That's all you need to do. Keep just the stay in, everybody. Stay in the window. Don't go out of the window. Imagine you're in a spacecraft, like my friend Doug Wheelock. Just like it's 150 days in a spacecraft, eat food, watch repeats of Dad's Army and Morecambe and
0: Wise, and pretend it's Christmas. Hello. <laughs> and listen to our entire back catalogue as well. We're 240, 240-some uh, 240 episodes or, in here.
1: Also that.
0: <laughs> um, just a quick one. Formula Lee still going. Uh, Cut-offs next week. It's Australia in the wet in a Ferrari and not a Mercedes, as I put on the website and hastily changed it within about five minutes last week. Oops. Um, (laughs) um, You've got until then to get them in. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet the show at Three Legs Four Wheels, same on Facebook and Instagram as well. And individually, we are all...
2: At Sean Cowper.
3: At Flood 21.
0: At Italshunt. At Pablo 100. And Sean, as everyone should know by now, you are... At Virtual Statman. Thank you so much for listening, and um, we'll be back next week with. Well, I haven't got a bloody. Something. I haven't got a bloody clue. <laughs> we'll see Apocalypse, you soon. Apocalypse Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
4: Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye
4: bye bye.